And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. We are back again for edition number 110 of the Weighing In Podcast. I know it seems like we've done more, but we will. We promise we will be here forever because the greatest MMA podcast goes nowhere. It stays here for you to learn about what's happening in the complete world of combat sports because we have one of the experts, my man, Josh, the Punk Thompson, and back on the controls, actually doing something for the first time forever. We even have Podcast Dave back. So boo! Boo! Oh, no, booing. Boo! My dad, my, you know, my dad always used to tell me booing. I, I booed one time when I was in a stadium uh-huh. and I got smacked across the head fast, right? He looks at me and goes, You want to boo? Out and do better than him. Other than that, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> boo! Boo! There you go. <laughs> Hey guys, we're also gonna do a, we're probably gonna wrap up towards the end of this, another QA, another fan QA. So if you guys like it, make sure you guys hit the thumbs up and the likes button so that shares our video to other people. And uh, the, if we get to 5,000 likes, we'll continue to do more of these as time goes on. So if you guys can do that for us, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. So look, Michael Chandler talks about Tony Ferguson. Michael Chandler talks about how he thinks he's a, a nightmare matchup for Conor McGregor. He talked about how he, that he could try to pull Khabib out of retirement. This is yeah. all this this is all. Let me just be very I'm gonna be very direct and upfront. People, they don't even none of those guys have any respect for you at all. Like Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor will never fight you. You he he will he will pick the guys he wants to fight. Um Khabib will never come out of retirement to fight someone who's never fought in the UFC. Okay. Does not care. Doesn't doesn't care about you. He won't even speak your name because it doesn't I just know these situations. It will not happen. I agree with the second one. Oh, the Khabib thing? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing. Nothing. He, I, he means nothing, nothing. to Khabib. Uh-uh. <laughs> nothing. It's not like that's not a fight that is even on Khabib's radar. No. It's like, you know, you think I'm gonna come out of retirement for that? Come on. No. Yeah, so. Even even if he destroys Dan Hooker yeah, in the first doesn't matter. Doesn't care. Even if no. he goes on to fight somebody else after that before getting a title shot, which they're going to have. Even if he do. fought Connor and beat Connor. Yeah, he still he doesn't he just, care. Doesn't care. No, yeah. there's no interest at all whatsoever. Okay, so, and then as far as the Connor part, you think that there's a chance that Connor would take that fight? Uh, yeah, there, there would be a chance, but it would have to be more than uh, Chandler just beating uh, Hooker. He would have to beat somebody else, and it'd have to be where. It made sense for Connor. Yeah, but that's my point. How how do you make that make sense? To to Connor McGregor, how do you make that make sense? Well, a a lot of money on the table is the first part of making it make sense. Because, hey, you want me to fight him? I'll fight him. No problem. I want to get compensated. And that's the way that he's done business. And so that would be the number one thing is the number one. How much... De Niro is going to be going into his pocket. So uh, then on top of that, then it has to be for a title. No, it's like, well, you want me to fight this guy? And supposedly he's won all these titles in this other organization. So, you know, you want me to fight a guy that's a champion because that's the way he would look at it and say it and build it up. And so, well, then it's got to be for a title here, either that 
Connor already had the title or that it was vacant, and that's the one that they were going to make uh, as a matchup for the title. Yeah. The way I look at it is he would have to starch Dan Hooker within the first round by a knockout or a nasty ground and pound or something along those lines. And then he and then he's going to probably end up fighting. The, he'd have to probably fight the winner of Justin Gaethje and, and um, Charles Oliveira because that's what it sounds like the next matchup is going to be. And the winner of that apparently is supposed to fight the winner of Dustin Poirier and and uh, Connor Better. for the title yeah. for the vac. I don't, I don't think it's vacant, but whatever for that title. However, they're wording it right now. I don't know what they're doing, but <laughs> they they keep changing the wording. But he's going to have to get. He's going to probably have to get two wins for, before he even gets to a title shot. Even yeah. if he starches Dan Hooker, I don't see how that will happen. Um, of him getting a title shot, knowing that Charles Oliveira just beat Tony Ferguson handily. Okay. And then you've got Gaethje coming off of his loss to Khabib, but he's still ranked number one. And then you've got Connor, who's ranked ahead of him. And you've also got um, Dustin, who's ranked ahead of him. So all I these guys are ranked ahead of him. I still think they want the Tony Ferguson fight with him. I think that's the fight that they were looking at for a lot of it. That's what they wanted. And I think that's what they're going to go to back to if Chandler gets a, a good win against Hooker then it, it at least entices Tony to say, all right, he, put you, he, he beat a good guy. He beat someone who I have respect for in my, in my weight class. All right, you know, at least it makes more sense to Tony instead of Tony fighting someone coming out of a different organization that he looks at like nobody knows. But I, So I think, can you pull up the rankings, Dave? Dave I think Tony's ranked below Hooker now. He might be, but the whole it's all about what they want. And if you take a look, all right, they've announced that, you know, they want to put Oliveira against Gaethje. Well, okay, you can look and say, well, both of Oliveira and Gaethje's last wins are against Tony Ferguson. So both of them get wins against Tony Ferguson. Gaethje goes on and, and fights Khabib and loses to Khabib. So he's got a loss on his you know, last fight while Oliveira's got the win. All right. So if Oliveira or Gaethje wins it, we know where they're going. Yeah. You know, we know where that fight's you know, leading to. So then you don't have either one of them as part of the equation because the loser, they're not going to put Chandler against if he gets a win against Hooker. So then you look at the other side, same thing with Poirier and Connor. You know, they're not going to take that one. You know who, who they're going to fight. And Chandler's not even in the question. So then take a look at the rankings. Who's the guy? Yeah, Tony's actually ranked one ahead of Dan Hooker. So that does make yeah. that does make a little bit of sense. Interesting. You know, I mean, he's gonna, if he fights him, though, then he's going to have to. You think he'll get a title shot off of that? Because there'll well, be two it, guys that it, lose it, in the other two fights. Yeah, but if he gets a win against both of them, yes, I could see him getting a title. Even that's ahead, two, that's we, 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 we said he needs two wins to get that title fight. So I so look, I think Gaethje's going to lose to Charles Oliveira, and I think Dustin's going to lose. Not to, a doubt in my mind to Conor McGregor. So right. I it, so when you have now that the fight's going to be made is going to be Char, is going to be Oliveira versus Conor McGregor for the title. If that's the case, then you're going to have Michael Chandler fight Tony Ferguson, and then there'll still be two guys ranked ahead of him. If he was to get a title shot off the Tony Ferguson fight, you'd have Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. So no, you can't say that the Poirier and, and Gaethje, Gaethje, if Gaethje gets a loss against Oliver, that's two losses in a row. There's no way that he'll be ranked above him. 
I don't see I don't see how he wouldn't be since since if get, you had you have, Chandler you, you come have in and beat Hooker. Yep. And then Chandler comes in and beats Tony. Yep. You're going to tell me that Justin with two losses in a row yep. is going to be ranked higher. D yes, I think no. I think I think so because Tony has two losses now. He's still ranked higher than Dan Hooker and still ranked higher than he's still right there with those other guys. Yeah, but Dan Hooker's coming off of you know his last fight was a loss to Poirier. Yeah, I I don't think they're going to drop those guys more than I think they're going to keep them ahead of Chandler. They're yeah. you know just to try and not. I mean, I'm not saying like it's no bad. It all it all it's, depends on who they want to match him yeah, with because if that's true to be in that fight, you know where that ranking is going to go. Yeah, that's true. That's the that's the difference between having a promotion in control of its rankings. They can switch things up. They can take things away, as we have seen. So, yeah, that's when you have true rankings that are across the board, you know, done by independent people. All right. You know, they're not going to take those rankings away. When a promotion, I don't care what promotion <laughs> is, if it's going to work for the promotion, they're going to do it because that's how they make money. So it just makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, what else? So on, on that note, um, and this could just be like a really sloppy job of somebody at the UFC social media, um, uh, department, but, there's a there's a thing on Twitter where somebody saying somebody sent a screenshot where it says don't miss Poirier take on McGregor for the lightweight title, um and it's basically this <laughs> like Twitter like chatbot thing um for the from the UFC official Instagram eh, Twitter account so uh, that's interesting I wonder if that will be announced as a title fight this week or something. See, uh, someone said that it was announced as a title fight, but I heard it wasn't. Yeah. So could just be a mistake. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I I thought it was that person, the winner of that, will fight for the the vacant title. But against two, though, they don't they hadn't said anything. It could be against the winner of Gaethje and Oliveira. Is I'm hearing that it's going to be against the winner of Gaethje and Oliveira because those guys are both ranked higher. And then you have Connor and Poirier. They're going to fight the winner of whoever wins that other fight for the vacant title. Who knows? I mean, we won't know. I think until after probably right before this fight or right after this fight, um, who they're going to fight. But as far as Chandler goes, I, there's I don't see any reason. You, I, you, I just I don't think John. You can't you can convince me that 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 Connor would take that fight. And I already know that Khabib is just, there's just no way doesn't doesn't interest yeah. him at all. So um, yeah, it's just I I, just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Like I think I think like you said, it would have to be for the title. But even then, I don't, I don't know. I think with Connor, like I don't know, man. Like even if it's for the title, I don't think it's a fight that he just really cares about. Like he gets, he gets motivated for guys, and I don't think he's one of them. Not yet. I mean, he may be if he starches both, you know, Hooker and and uh, and Tony. Let's say he fights Tony next. He starches both of them in one round. I mean, now you've got a buzz though that can be created, you know, for maybe to hype up the Connor thing. I mean, that would be, and it, like you said, it had to be for the title. And when it is for the title, that obviously garnishes more money, you know. So, uh, and and I think by then there'll be fans back in the crowd, which will bring in more, bring in more money as well. Yeah. So that'll make the it'll make a little easier choice for the um. I, for the I think we we basically agree. I I do not see could be ever taking that fight. That's just because he doesn't have that interest, and money doesn't motivate him the same way as other guys, yeah. and just not the fight for him. Not going to happen. Well, he's, the already Connor got, one, he's already got enough money. He <laughs> the Connor one I can see happening. You know, I, it, if, if everything worked out, 
I could see that falling into place. Got it. Something I want to talk about real quick was Conor McGregor is fighting here coming up against Dustin Poirier. Damn, and are you good. Damn, damn, are you good. I'm very good. I'm very good. <laughs> as we know. But there's one thing that we've talked about <clears throat> for the longest time. And I don't think he does get enough credit for it. Despite his striking, despite his knockout power, despite all the things. Gilbert Burns even came out and said that his grappling, Conor McGregor's grappling is very good. And we've talked about this several times. And I've said people under us. I even talked about this, I think, on a Rogan show, too, saying that he is so good that, like, for him to not take as much damage as most people against Khabib and then to stop some of the takedowns, even it depends on when the moment of the fight, <clears throat> the moment of the fight was happening, how he was able to stop those takedowns like in the third in the third round. If you look at that first initial takedown that Khabib tried to get, he made him work really hard for that position to get to that position. It wasn't until Connor started trying to strike that Khabib was able to advance his position. Had he kept defending, right. it probably would have been a different situation in that first initial takedown. Now, I'm not saying that Khabib wouldn't have been able to get him down like later on in the, you know, after losing that take, after not getting that takedown, but he showed right away that he knew exactly what he was doing and how good he was on the ground. Even when he finally got taken down, his wrist control, his ability to not take a lot of damage in that first round <clears throat> showed me a lot. His positioning against the fence, I think his grappling is in a, it will continue to be underestimated because of how good he is on the feet. I think it's going to be underestimated based upon performances and where he loses. You know, if you're going to beat Connor, where, where is it that people have beat him? Well, they beat him not the stand-up. They beat him by getting him to the ground and getting a victory there. You can take a look back at, you know, his first loss. Well, not first loss, but his loss to Nate Diaz in the very first Nate Diaz fight. It wasn't the grappling of Nate. That's not taking anything away from Nate. We all know Nate can, can, can roll, and he is a definite black belt. It was the conditioning of Connor. Connor got tired. Yeah. I don't care who you are. When you're tired, you can have all the skill in the world. You're going to lose. Yeah. And so I think the same thing happened in the Khabib fight. He got tired. You know, we, we talk, we've talked, you know, at, you know, ad nauseum about that first takedown attempt. He was doing things that were high level to mm -hmm. stop what was occurring. And it wasn't until, like you said, he decided to start striking that it switched and Khabib was able to finish that takedown and get him to his back. So we know he's good. He's no. outstanding as an MMA fighter. His grappling is outstanding. He just doesn't go to it as his way of finishing a fight. He does it with the power, speed, ability to control distance and understand timing that he has. You know, if that's your uh, number one thing. Stick with your number one thing. That's what he does. But Gilbert Burns knows, oh, yeah. just like everybody else that either rolls with him or has watched him and has any knowledge of what they're looking at, you can watch him and you go, he's good. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Even if you have someone who is an anti-grappler, you still have to know the positions, the, the positions in which the person's going to transition to first. <clears throat> and he seems to know that pretty damn well. Um, he also came out, Connor actually came out and said that he's going to paint a masterpiece. I mean, everyone's kind of expecting him to come out and paint a masterpiece. I'm not willing to go that far because Dustin has gotten a lot better himself, uh, especially in the mindset. Like we talked about last week is that he is, 
He's not going to let Connor get under his skin this time. He's going to fight him a, a more composed uh, fight for this fight against Connor. So I'm expecting it to go a lot longer. I'm not saying that he can't get clipped. Um, I think both guys can be knocked out, <clears throat> at least in, in a lot of trouble to the point of a submission. I mean, I could see something like that happen. If Dustin was able to rock Connor and Dustin was able to jump on him on as far as like an army and guillotine, like we saw he did against Khabib, somewhere along that line of him getting to that type of position, I think he's got a chance. <clears throat> and we've seen that Connor sometimes when he does get tired or sometimes in those positions, um, I wouldn't say he panics, but he doesn't handle them well. You know, he doesn't, yeah. you know, in those scenarios with the Nate Diaz fight, he turned and when he turned, he continued to give him the neck instead of going back to being mounted. That's a position of being fatigued also, but just making the wrong decision in those moments of crisis. Same thing happened with um, with Khabib when he turned and he continued to turn and just let let the submission go across the jawline. And I know those things, they're they're painful and they suck and they can't hurt your jaw. But it's it was one of those things where you were tired and you made the wrong decision. Instead of trying to turn one way or the other, give up, you know, another position, you decided to stay there. It, it cost you the fight. It cost you the, getting the submission. Um, will he do that again, like against Dustin? Dustin can jump on that arm and guillotine very fast or in those guillotine positions fast, especially if you're in trouble. And he will sometimes, and like I said, it's been proven he makes the mistake in the transitions while under pressure. So... As much as people are, I've read a lot of the uh, the media's interviews, everyone tends to think, and a lot of fighters have said that they expect to see kind of the same type of fight, maybe it going a little bit longer. I can see that happening, but I also can see Dustin, I'm giving Dustin a little bit more of a chance this time around, not just by a little bit, but I mean, I'd probably say another 30%. I would say it'd probably about a 60, 40, somewhere in there, 70, I would say 70, 65 you know, 35 kind of thing. I mean, I'm saying it's in that mix in there. I almost, I want to go 60, 40 almost. I would give Dustin more of a 40% chance. In the first fight, I gave him a lot more of a chance, but I didn't, I didn't take into consideration the mental part of it all in terms of the trash talking, getting under the skin. And, and like I said, this all, this fight all came about because of the, the charity, the possible charity and Connor saying, I'll fight you in the charity and I'll donate to your charity event. Da, 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 da. That right there, that that kind of thing brought them a little bit closer together in terms of what they're willing to do to get this fight to happen. And there's a mutual respect, I think, now for now, the fact that they are fighting. <clears throat> and so um, I don't think Dustin's going to take anything he says now personal, personally. Just my opinion. No, I, I don't think he says it or not. It's not going to be. It's not there to irritate Dustin in the same fashion because Dustin's grown from it. You know, no matter what, you know, you think you can handle certain things and they won't bother you, but they do. And in the end, you go back and you look and you go, yeah, that bothered me. And, and I made mistakes because of it. And what a good fighter does is he learns from those mistakes and he takes and he alters them, fixes them and moves on. That's what Dustin did. And that's why he's in the position he is to get another shot at Connor in this because you look, you know, they're the, in that lineup. This is one of the toughest for Connor. Yeah. No matter what, I thought when they fought the first time, I go, "This is going to tell me everything I need to know about Connor McGregor." Yeah, this was the fight because I had watched him, you know, against you know Diego Brandao, and I watched him a couple times in Cage Warriors, and then I watched him, you know, against like Dennis Seaver and stuff. And, and you're going, you know, he fought Marcus Bremage, and I'm like, no, those guys aren't at that level that I'm looking for. Mm. You know, not that. 
they're not good fighters and not like you know Tennessee were tough dude, but they they just don't have those elements that is needed to beat the guy that's like Connor. But when they put him against uh, Poirier, I was like, oh yeah, this is the guy that definitely has the skill set. If Connor can beat Dustin Poirier, he's telling me exactly where he's at. Yeah, and uh, I really gave you know Dustin a lot of you know credit in possibly being able to beat him. You know, obviously, I I believe like you that the mind game was a big part of that, and that Connor used it beautifully. The Connor has always done that. I've always been impressed by is usually when he talks about a fighter, he talks about mistakes that they make, and he's honest. He's yeah. saying he's saying an actual thing. He really got away from it with Khabib. Yeah, you know, and he started talking about other things, and that was telling me that oh. You haven't found a whole lot of places where, you know, he's not good. You know, not that you don't, you, you don't know where he's better here than he is here, but you've seen he's, he's good everywhere. And when you see the way he's talking even now about Poirier, it's different. Yeah. It's different. And he sees a different fighter, and I, I think he's preparing for a different fighter, and that's what he's supposed to do. I agree. I agree. So Mike Perry announces his um, child's born. Congratulations to Mike Perry. He had a little boy called Ocean. That's great. Now stop drinking. Hmm. Is, uh, it, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it alcohol? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think. I think it is because you know, just from what I've been told from certain people of where he's got you know, some issues and stuff. He's got you know. He, he's just not. He's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeves. And then as soon as alcohol becomes part of it, now it starts to get a little out of hand. Look, you got a son. Your whole yeah. world just changed. All right. That should be the number one thing for you to make sure that you provide for that little sucker and you don't want anything to happen to him and you have to be there for him. Well, don't do things that could possibly take that you know, ability away. So be yeah. smart. Do the right things. Go back to your fighting career. You're fun to watch. You know, get the right fights. Win. Put some money in the bank. Buy the baby a new pair of shoes, and just be smart from now on, Mike. Yeah, I think I think what gets overlooked a lot and and needs to be talked about a little bit is the mental health. And I don't want to say it's just the mental health of just fighters in general, just mental health of people in general. And I think right nope. now during this these lockdowns and the covid situation and things not being open not being able to see family and friends it's increasing it tenfold you know um the i'll give you an example and not to get too political here is but california in san francisco they have 137 covid deaths okay in the in the city of san francisco they have almost 700 you mean a day no what? 137 total deaths since this overall? thing started yeah overall yeah, 137 total deaths from COVID um, since March, March, February, January, from March, February or March from COVID. They have 700 suicides and overdoses since March. So that's actually almost doubled what they normally have in a year. So the, it just lets you know that people are finding other ways to to lash out or find other ways to keep themselves occupied and it's a drug thing or it's a mental health issue that's breaking them and we may be seeing something like this because look even though he's probably out doing whatever he wants we've seen him out you know getting thrown out of restaurants or clubs or bars or whatever it is 
the things are not the same. When you go out, you're you're not seeing the people you normally see because they're probably not out. And the excitement and the energy is not out as well when you do go out. There's, you know, restaurants are empty, bars are empty, everything. Just when you walk the streets, it looks lonely out there. You know, there's a lot of places. I mean, sure, there's places that are packed and busy, of course, you know, in certain states. But I think that all has a, it all plays a factor in just the mental health game. And uh, we're seeing it nationwide and not just, I'm just giving the San Francisco example because I live nearby and I've, I read the newspaper from there. Um, I lie, I can't read, but, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but th these are things that are, uh, people should, should take serious, obviously. Um, but I do have to agree with you that he has a son now and, and it's a whole different lifestyle. It's a whole different thing that you need to take on. There's a lot of expectations that that child relies on you for. And so I, I just want to wish him the very best, no matter what he does, you know, um, I just want to wish him the best. It really just comes down to fight as much as you possibly can, make as much money as you possibly can, you know, and get out while you can. That's the other thing is just do all of those things and make your focus about your son and your, you know, and your fiance, wife, you know, whatever she is, just make that focus about that. And if you can do that, I think that I think no matter what happens, as long as you have the, your family and your son, you'll be fine, man. Just focus on those things. Don't focus on anything else but those things. That's it. Yeah. So I, I tell you what, you know, okay, I was very young when I had my son, who is now 34 years of age. But, you know, when my son was born, man, and they put him on the little thing and he grabbed a hold of my finger. And at that moment, Josh, I'd have fucking punched a four year old in the mouth if <laughs> he had fucking hurt my kid. And I, I'd, I'd kill for him at that boom. And you just, Everything changes from that point. And I grew up from that point. I stopped doing a lot of the stupid stuff I was doing and everything changed for me. And, you know, tell me it wasn't kind of like the same. Tell me your life did not change. Life changes. I think just in general for everybody, you know, like nieces, nephews come into your lives and you start to focus on that. And, uh, you know, little becoming a godparent, you know, to my brother's kids that helped change a little bit as well. It just, I think life changes for everyone differently. It's just a matter of, um, what you what you value and if mike perry can put his son first and to put his fiance first and put and then focus on fighting as well just focus on those three things don't make it bigger than it is there's there was a story that i had read a long time ago and when i read that story there was a there was a there was a little boy who was dying of cancer and at the very end you know he had pulled his mom close and he had told to her he's like it's it's really it's really not that it's really that simple. Life is just that simple. Just don't make it difficult. When you, when you, we, we, we clutter our life with so much shit and garbage and all this other stuff that we don't need to really just comes down to the immediate people that are in your household that you need to focus on. You know, sure there's work and you have friends and, but just remember the people that are going to be by at your deathbed will be the ones that are probably you're in your house, you know, every single day. The rest of them may or may not be around. I mean, I have friends that I'm very close with that don't go to other people's funerals that they've known since middle school. They just don't. They're like, no. I'm like, I don't understand. This guy was your friend forever. They're like, yeah, I don't do, I don't, I don't go to funerals. Like, it's just a weird, it's, you know what I mean? Like not everyone is cut the same. And I think that it just it just says a lot like when i i have very like i said very close friends that i know that do that they don't go to birthday parties they don't they don't go to the people's birthday parties they don't go to people's funerals and they're different people they're not one it's not just one person 
And so when you talk about that, like you just need to focus on the people that are immediately connected to you. And that's your wife and your son now, you know, and how can you provide for them fighting? That's it. Focus on that. You focus yep. on those three things. Everything else will fall into place. And so I just want to wish him the very best, man. Thank <clears> and that, you know, Good and, luck. And, and, Congratulations. Have, and enjoy having a little yeah. boy. Enjoy it. Um, what else? Uh, Cyborg expressed some interest in fighting uh, Kayla Harrison at 155. I mean, Kayla Harrison can make 145. I was so gonna what's say, the point? On. Hasn't Kayla been fighting at 145 to prove that she can put herself down into that, prove everybody, including myself, wrong as far as I don't know if she can make that and be healthy, but she has. She's done really well with it, and she's got another fight coming in at one, I think, 45. But even if it's, this one's not and it's at 155, she's proven that, hey, I'll move down to prove that I can take on everyone at these weight classes that are the established yeah. since the, you know, the lightweight with women is just, there's just not anybody there. So I, I don't know why Chris would move anywhere. You're, you're a featherweight King. You're the one that's been, you know, established in that weight division longer than anybody. You know, you're the Bellator champion. You've been the UFC champion. You've been the Invicta champion. You've been the strike force champion. Let her come down to your weight class and do it. I, I want to see it. I think it'd be a great fight. I read, I think it was just that she was trying to entice uh, Kayla Harrison to put her title on the line at 155 so she could have another title from another organization. That's really what I got from the, when I read it, it was like, no, I want to have another one. So <laughs> that sets her, that sets her apart from everyone another, even again. more. Yeah, so she'd more. have a PFL championship at yeah. lightweight if she beat Kayla. Yeah, that's. I think that's okay. from what I read. That's what she wanted. She's like, no, I want your title at 155. Well, that means that she'd have to go over to the PFL yeah. and fight there, and Bellator would have to give her that ability. <clears throat> Not sure they would do that, but if well, they do, do it. Yeah, I th it would be fun to see though. Like if she went over there to the PFL, fought for that title there. What if let's just say, if she, if she lost. Mm -hmm. Then she would say, hey, Kayla, you can come to Bellator now and fight me for my 145-pound title. We talk about cross-promotion. It's got to work all the way around. I know that Coker's he's he's open-minded to it, but it's got to sure. work for both sides. And yeah, I, know, exactly, I know, But it's got to work for both sides. So let's take a look at the flop. Yeah. All right. If Chris goes over and beats Kayla at 155, mm -hmm. and you know, let's say you know, it, it's a matter of experience right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kayla's a phenomenal athlete. Awesome judo. You know, her stand-up's gotten you know much better. Her MMA's gotten much better. She's she's the real deal. But a lot of experience she's got to get past with Cyborg. So we'll say that she she ends up losing that fight. What does that do for the PFL? They yeah. just lost their lightweight championship. Is now walking away. You know, it's not a good thing for them. Yeah. No, I understand that. I do. But those are the chances you take when you do cross promotions. I've always kind of been against yeah. the champion versus champion thing only because it let it leaves the promotion kind of like high and dry. Look, I'm yeah, for it one of them. Yeah, yeah, one of them. I'm saying I'm all for it being a a mutual thing with their say their number their number three, number four, number five guy, whatever it is, or girl, you know, and putting themselves in those situations so you can see good fights in cross promotions without without someone without one promotion being handicapped and so I, I and we've seen it we saw it though for champ for titles again with horaguchi and darian caldwell yep. and now horaguchi winning his title again back i do know that there was buzz for a little bit about us doing a 135 pound tournament 
you know, and one of, you know, whoever the champ was in Ryzen coming back over and fighting in that tournament as well with the new current champ in Juan Archuleta. So that would make for a fun tournament as well. If Bellator has options and now you bring in um, a couple of the Ryzen guys to be part of that tournament, that shows a good cross promotion. Um, as far as with the PFL, yeah, it would just be, it would, it would be weird for the PFL if they lost, they lost and then have to have Kayla cut down to 145 not be the same physical specimen that she is to turn around and try and fight at 145 against someone she just lost. It, yeah. it would it would look bad for them, I know, but that's the that's what the problem has always been for me when you have the champions fight champions. Sure, it's great for us, but it's one pro, but one promotion is going to be left saying, "Ah, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that." You know what I mean? So yeah. that's 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 the only thing. Uh, Anthony Pettis, can you scroll up? Anthony Pettis. See, Gian's on top of that part of this. Is, you got to keep up, buddy. Come on. You're already behind. I know you're probably on New York, you know, small town stuff, but you got to keep up. Okay. Anthony Pettis wants to be a trailblazer for the future of free agency and MMA. All right, buddy. I like you, Pettis. But there was a lot of people before you. Rory McDonald being one. Phil Davis was the very first, I believe, that went over. No, I mean, like ben, there was. Phil Davis, Benson Henderson. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we talk about him all the time as Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez is someone that just pioneered oh, yeah. the free agency. You know, he did it as, you know, his whole, his almost his whole career. He's always gone where the money's at. Yeah. So, um, but I'm glad that you're, I'm glad you're speaking out about this. That's, I like to see that. I think that more people need to do it and you only have a certain amount of time to make as much money as you possibly can. And this is a perfect opportunity for not just Pettis, but I think a lot of uh, MMA fighters to realize what's going on. It's, you have to look at the sport as if it's like, let's just say the NBA is the NBA has a bunch of teams. Well, there's a bunch of promotions. Okay. And you have options, not as many as there is NBA teams. I understand that, but you have options to go places. And when you have guys like uh LeBron and other guys that sign one year and two year deals, it's so that they can maximize their money. You know, and they understand that within a year or two, the money will go up. It just naturally goes up because the promotions have money or they have money put aside in the bank and there is money to be offered as time goes on. And the ones that don't have more money to offer, then they fall by the side and then you go somewhere else where there is more money. And as long as you keep winning, they they will continue to offer you a lot of money. So go tech, check it out. And I think once the UFC sees that as well as Bellator and Ryzen and all the other companies in one, as long as they start seeing fighters go, they'll start picking and choosing the fighters that they want to start building their promotions around and not even so much building their promotions around, but building their weight classes around. So then they can say, Hey, you know what? We've got Anthony Pettis now for six fights in the PFL. Let's go ahead and let's build around him for these next, you know, at least five fights and try to entice him to stay. It becomes um it be it becomes a free market agency is perfect a perfect example. It becomes that free market agency that just starts driving the price up. So then promotions can't just get skate by by paying you guys pennies on the dollar. And I like I said, it's been going on for like Eddie's been doing it forever. Okay. But Phil Davis was the first guy to leave the UFC. I was the second guy to leave the UFC and then go to Bellator and make more money. And then it slowly came. There was more people that came. You know, no, uh, no, no, Ryan, no, man. Benson, Benson Henderson was ahead of you. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. Uh, I was first. No, I don't think so. Where did he go? We're gonna go with a bet. Where did he go? He went to Bellator. He was ahead of you. No. Yes, he lost to Korshkov while you were still part of the UFC. No, I'm the one that talked him into coming. He called me and asked me, "Hey, should I sign with them?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "I love it here." <laughs> 
Yeah, I, my last fight was Tony Ferguson. He had two more fights left on his car on his contract. Yeah, I that talked, was Tony. What was that bet your you want to talk about? Your last. What, what your was last that? Wait, what was that bet on, you want to talk hey, about? Hey, 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 we're talking here. Your last fight was I want to say Tony Ferguson, in De December in San July, Diego? July in July? San Diego. Yeah, July in San Diego. Okay, Josh, your yep. first fight in Bellator was September 15. Benson's was April 2016. I was a whole year ahead of him. Damn! Look Damn. at that. Jeez. Just, just go ahead and say it. Look, Dude, look at no, now. You proved me wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> you know what's really concerning about this? We're going to lose subscribers because of this. You want to know why? They can realize the steel trap is starting to finally leak and have holes in it. And they're like, Dude, they only come here should, for your... You should know about your career better than me, man. Wow. <laughs> you were asking me to know what Benz's career was, and I knew exactly. No, because we had talked in San Diego at the Tony Ferguson fight before at the weigh-ins. And he was there with uh, cornering somebody. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I'm going to test out the free market agency after my next fight. And he had a fight coming up or lined up. And um, and I said, I said, yeah, I said, I'm I said, I'm pretty much think I'm going to end up in Bellator. You know, when Scott was already there and I hadn't talked to Scott yet, but I kind of had a good idea. I was like, look, I mean, it just makes sense, you know, and I just knew that the money that the UFC was offering me wasn't the money that I wanted. It was just, I wasn't going to take it. And so and the offer was still on the table up until the day I left, you know, and so when I talked to to Ben, Ben was like, I said, he's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to test it out. He's going to check out everywhere. But you know, he did ask me, he's like, you know, what do you know about Bellator? I was like, I just know the Coker's there and I love doing business with Scott. And that was kind of where I left it at, you know, he's like, so when he did fight his last fight, he called me and said, you know, how do you like it there? I was like, I love it. I love it. You know, like, but I already had a relationship with everyone that was there, you know, sure. you have Rich yeah. and Kogan and Carrie and, you know, and obviously Coker and a bunch of other people that, that uh, I had already known for, for years. So it made it an easy choice for me. I said, look, it's not going to be for everybody. But if it's, it's a perfect group for me. So uh, he ended up coming, as we know. He's still there. Uh, what else? Okay, let's... Uh, what else? Is there anything else you want to go right into fan questions? Let's do 30 minutes of fans. Okay, let's do 30 minutes of fan questions. Um. All right, so this first one I've got is from Clearly Felt a Tap, and he wants to know, was Anderson versus GSP a bigger lost opportunity than Tony versus Khabib? I don't think it was as clear. Here's the thing. I think it was a bigger loss opportunity, but it was never presented. That's the yeah. problem. Like, it, it wasn't was, like it, was it only, happened it was five times. It was only done in the media. Yeah. It's not the like UFC it was ever. never really went after it. Yeah. They never really said, like, hey, you know what? Let's really get this to happen. And there was a lot more. It was just in the media. It was just fans talking like they would love to see that fight, which everyone understood. But when it came down to it, it was never something the UFC was like, let's make this happen. This was. This was before the the Connor pre money money fight thing, you know, and so I don't think that if there was going to be a money fight though, that was I think that probably would have been the biggest fight up to date probably until Connor came along. Up would have been the biggest pay per view that they had ever done. I think that you you look you go back to that time, look at what was going on, and everyone had the question of well, you know, George being so good with his MMA wrestling, could he take? You know, Anderson down, similar to like Chael had done and things like that. George never wanted to fight Anderson. Yeah. He just never wanted to fight him. That was, he looked at it like he's too big. Yeah. And if you put them side by side, you'll see a, there's a big difference between their frames and uh, how big Anderson is compared to George. So George had a, a legitimate, you know, you know, cause to look and go, eh, I don't think that's where I want to go. And, uh, you know. He had his one fight at 185, and you can take a look at that, you know, what happened with him and Bisping. But 
you know, Bisping was, you know, coming on and Bisping wasn't as long as Anderson. So I think George was right as far as he would have had some difficulty with the length. But, you know, it was a fight that was never even presented. It no. was never, hey, we're going to do this. And then it fell apart, similar to, you know, Tony and Khabib falling apart five times. Yeah. Yeah, if you take a look at what we would have potentially have seen, and not to knock George at all, because he, I think he's still, I think he's still the probably the, the greatest of all time, is you would have seen the Vitor Belford versus Anderson fight, and Vitor just couldn't get in. This, yeah. you know, and Vitor is extremely fast. GSP's fast. He's not that fast though. Vitor's explosive, fast. But the wrestling obviously would have favored GSP for sure. And they, I think the grappling would have definitely favored GSP. He's fucking nasty good on the ground. Everyone I've ever talked to, I mean, just by watching his fights, you can tell he's good on the ground. But everyone I've ever talked to, all of the guys over at Henzel's place and John Danaher's place, he's phenomenal. He's so damn good. Gives everybody there a run for their money, not just a run. And these guys are just straight grapplers and some of the best yep. in the business. And he's just getting after them, you know, and... That's just straight grappling. He's really good. So I think he would have been able to potentially beat Anderson, but for to do it in a five round fight and to get out and to be able to take him down multiple times, just the body frame and size. I don't, I don't think, it would have, I don't think it would have been a good fight for him, to be honest. I would probably, and I think here, no one's ever accused GSP of being a dumb fighter. <laughs> He's not a dumb person. And he knew exactly, um, he knew exactly what he needed to do. And that was to stay away from that division because he was already a star. He didn't need to go up there. He didn't need to create that. And there was no reason to it. See fighters when they, when they start winning and winning and winning, they start to let their head and their ego get the better of them. GSP doesn't have that problem at all. You know, um, he stayed where he was comfortable. And when he did want it, when he finally did go up, he went against somebody that was about his same body frame. Smart, very smart. He's a very smart person and it shows in everything he's done in his career. Yep. So, Next. Next question. Uh, MMA U, uh, UY asks, true or false, we see Yoel versus Rumble in 2021. Oh, yeah, true. True. I think you're going to see that. I think it's important that people see that. I think it's a fight that people actually want to see, even no matter where it's at. So if you're Bellator, you got to look and say, and I don't know what they're thinking, but do I let the opportunity pass by? You know, do I put it on and see what happens or do I let that opportunity pass by? Well, why are you going to let that opportunity pass by if that's a fight that people want to see? You're in the business of putting on fights that people want to see. That's one that I think people want to see. So I think it I think in the end it'll happen. So there's a there's a big buzz that I don't know if it was leaked by the Bellator or if it was just people talking about it, the media just talking about that they're going to do a 205 pound tournament. And would, which would make sense because you got Yoel, who's what, 44? You've got, you know, Anthony's 36. Isn't he 43? Dave, okay. look that up. I thought he's 43. Okay. We're talking, we're splitting hairs no. here. We're no, 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 no. Huge difference between 43 and 44. <laughs> okay. Um, At that age, I mean, he's still like 32, his body. Yeah. <laughs> so at that age, he's 43. Okay, he's 43. Oh, you're, you're back to being right. Okay. <laughs> So I mean, it just make it just makes sense for them to do it because the the guys are getting a little bit older. In that, if they're going to do that tournament, you might as well have them do it as quick and early as possible. Ryan Bader, if he does come back down for the tournament, would make sense. Nemkov is still a baby, but Bader wouldn't get- do that. See, I wouldn't do that. If Bader Ra- would 
Bader would have to let go of the heavyweight title with a million dollars on the line. Light heavyweight with a million dollars on the line, plus your purses. I think I think there's no doubt he would come back down. No doubt. I'm not saying he wouldn't want to, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't. Yeah. In that fashion, because he's got the opportunity at that. But what I'm saying is, as a promotion, I wouldn't allow my heavyweight champion to hold on to the belt while he enters a light heavyweight tournament. No, I get what you're saying. I think he. I think if if the opportunity is there for him to join that tournament, I think he vacates the heavyweight tournament, okay. the heavyweight belt. And that's what I think. Should Either be. that, or he fights before then against Nemkov, or not Nemkov, uh, Minikov, Minikov. And if he wins, well, one of those coughing. Yeah, guys. if he wins, if he wins, <laughs> he stays there. And if he loses, he t- he jumps in the tournament. Gives you options. You know, like get that one big money. Get that. Get that. That fight before you just make your decision. You know, if you lose to Menikoff, then you go do the tournament. If you don't lose to Menikoff, then you, you know, then, then you stay there. I would stay there. If I was, if you're the champ, just stay there, man. I, I've always thought that he's fought better at heavyweight because he just, he's one of those, the new, he's that new hybrid heavyweight who's got good wrestling and heavyweights normally don't have great wrestling. He's, you know, he's got some power in his hands and he, he can be an active fighter for, you know, for five rounds at that weight class. You know, I, I think it's better for him. But I would like to still see him in the tournament, just to be honest. Yeah, you know, it would be, be but you, more interesting. Yeah, but you've got him, you've got Yoel, you've got uh, Anthony Johnson, you've got Phil Davis, who's what thirty three, somewhere in there. He's got to be somewhere around that age, you know. And you've got other guys that are, you know, the other guys are getting a little bit. Everyone's kind of getting old. I don't know if it's going to be a six man or I mean an eight man tournament or if it's going to be more. I would think probably just eight of them. Um, I know we signed two tough Russian guys that they were the AC ACA 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 and M one. Yeah, and M1 champions. So those two guys as well. So those guys cannot be overlooked. So you've got you got a good mix of guys that are in there. I don't know if Leota Machida is going to stay at 205 and be in that oh, tournament have, as well. Come on. You you have more guys than you have far more than eight for that tournament. Yeah. It would be a 16. Oh, a would have to be. It'd have to be. Yeah, that's a lot. Man. You, got, you got a lot of guys in there, man. I mean, just taking a look at guys like, and these are names that people aren't going to recognize so much, but Carl Albrechtson. Oh yeah. Okay. He he'd be good in that. So would uh, Julius Anglinkus. Oh, there you go. He would be great in that. Okay. He's only got one defeat. There's a lot of guys that you can put into that tournament and go. Mm, that guy could be the he could be the dark horse in this, and, and he could do well. Here's the next thing, though. Do you put those guys in the tournament in the first round? Because you don't know how the tournament's going to play out. Do you put AJ and Romero together right away? Yes, that's my whole point. If you're going to have that tournament. You put that fight together first because you can't guarantee that it can happen anywhere else along the way. You can try to set it up and say, all right, I'm not going to do that in the first round. I'm going to put AJ against, you know, fighter A, and I'm going to put Yoel against fighter B, and then we'll have them possibly meet up in the second round. Well, that second round, they might not meet up because one of them loses. So why do you take the chance? If you're going to put the fight on, put the fight on. You pay these guys enough money to get to the damn second round. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I sometimes you hate the fight business. Oh geez, but it's it's one of those. I think it's one of those situations where you're like, damn, I wish I could do it this way. But you sure, know, you you always want to manipulate. But that's the one thing that I would say. That's what I love about Bellator's Grand Prix tournaments, especially the way they did the featherweights. They gave control to the fighters. Yeah, that is so hard for a promotion to do. And they, they gave them so much control of where they were going to fight, 
who they were going to fight, all these different things that a promoter wants to have that control. They, they gave it away, and I, I love the fact that they did, and I love what's actually occurred with it. Could it have bit him in the butt? It could have. Yeah. Did it? No, it didn't. Yeah. Next question. Next question is from Tamar Assad, and he says, Big John, out of all the MMA referees you know, who would have made the best fighter? <sighs> oh, my God. Um, out of all the MMA referees I know, you know, wouldn't matter what I say with some of them that uh, are actually good fighters. That people don't know them because they don't do big fights and they they basically stayed within uh, their state and do a lot of regional things like that. But yeah, if you're gonna sit there and just be honest about the people that people know that are refereeing and what they've done, Frank Trigg is your best fighter. Let's just be honest. He accomplished more as a fighter than any other referee look at herb dean has fought you know it wasn't pretty just telling you right now um not not that he did bad but you know he when, when he fought he got wins it was against guys you look and you go yeah he should have got that win it's not pretty when, when he refs either but <laughs> <laughs> uh mark goddard you know mark goddard is a good fighter he's he's a he's a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu he's a he's a really good uh ground specialist he's he's a brawler kind of guy I think he was seven and six when he stopped fighting based upon he was just going to go with the route of refereeing. But, you know, he's had those fights. There's There's been guys, a lot of guys have had fights. Shaolin Ribeiro. Shaolin Ribeiro is another one. Yeah, he's very good. But is Shaolin better than Frank? No. No. He didn't accomplish as no, much. No, I didn't. And that's my, whole, that's my whole point. If you're going to say the guy that's accomplished the most, there's, I don't think there's really a doubt. Chris Lieben is in that mix as far as he is now refereeing, even though he hasn't done the bigger fights, where at least Frank Trigg has done the, some of the bigger fights. So I got to give it to Frank. Yeah, can I can't. I, I would have thrown, like, yeah, it's Frank and Shaolin to me. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, I didn't know that Chris Lieben was being a, re he was a referee right now, but he's up in that mix as well, those three. Um, I think the people that are real, like, have been refs longer and have tried fighting, I, I mean, you have fighters that are that were fighters and they have accomplished quite a bit. Yeah, that will be ahead of them. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Next question. Emil Du asks both, does Adesanya beat Nemkov? Does Adesanya beat, beat Nemkov? Nemkov? Different weight classes. Ooh. Well, no, he's saying it because Adesanya is going up to fight Jan at light heavyweight. So I can understand why they're asking it. So I look at it as depends. Does Nemkov fight a smart fight and get the takedown? Or does he try to stand? I mean, does he put as much pressure on himself to get the takedown? There's a lot of things that could play a factor into that. Sure. I don't I don't know. I can't answer that. It's just, that's the, if, <laughs> like, like you have someone who has a Sambo wrestling type background who's we saw against Ryan Bader. He's very aggressive off of his back, and which caused Ryan Bader to stand up out of his guard and just back away and let him back up to his feet. Um, obviously, I'm going to give the edge to Izzy on the feet, you know, even though Nemkov's got the he's got the stand up, but it's not not the same, not the same level. And you can't say it's the same, but I think he has enough stand up to go ahead and get himself into that clinch and into those takedowns and those foot sweeps and those to get the fight to the ground. I don't know if he can do it for five rounds, you know, um, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's a very yeah. good fight. I would like it would to be I an would, interesting fight. I would love to see it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i would love to see it uh 
but yeah, it's one of the, it's it depends. I guess we're gonna see we're gonna find out a lot more about Nemkov in terms of uh, if this tournament does happen. We're gonna find out a lot more. Is gonna fight you know who's he gonna fight in the first round? Is it gonna be is it gonna be a Corey Anderson? Is it gonna be is he even in the tournament? Is he waiting for the winner? I mean, Bellator's always done their champion in the tournament, so. But I mean, I could see I could see it being that way as well. Oh, so if they if they were going to do a light heavyweight tourney, they'd have to put them coffee. Yeah. You've yeah. done it with every other, you know, uh, Grand Prix that you've had, except for the heavyweights, which didn't have a uh, champion at the time. But you take a look at, you know, the welterweight did with Rory McDonald being the champion at the time. And he ended up losing his title, to Douglas Lima. And then you had the, the featherweights where Pitbull has been there and now he's one fight away from the final. So. It would be interesting to see. I will tell you this. I've seen Nemkov since he was in the amateurs. Yeah. I refed him since he was in the amateurs. He's freaking good. Now, if you're going to say, is he as polished a stand-up fighter as Izzy? I can't tell you that he is. No. But he has his advantages in the stand-up over Izzy. And I will tell you, I, you can go back to certain fights that you know, I even refereed with Izzy as a kickboxer. There, there's a style that beats Izzy, okay? And that's a style that Nemkov brought out against Bader. So he knows that style. He understands what he needs to do. He needs to, to make his opponent be on his back, back foot. He needs to have that weight on that back heel. And instead of coming forward, he stops that progression and makes his opponent now go backwards. Nemkov can do that. Nemkov on the ground is a beast. He is good with his submissions, but his positioning and his ground and pound, he's tough. Now, can he get Izzy there? That's the question because, you know, people can sit there and say what they want. You know, Izzy has not been taken down a lot. Yeah. He's, his, his, you know, defensive wrestling against takedowns has been outstanding. And I don't think Nemkov would have any easier a time than a lot of guys. But I will tell you, that some bitch can wrestle and he wrestles with great, great wrestlers in training. That dude is good. We're talking high, high level when it comes to his wrestling. Way better than anybody that I can think of at, off the top of my head that I've watched Izzy have to fight. You know, way better than, you know, and I love Kelvin Gastelum. Their, their wrestling isn't even close as far as their abilities. Um, if you're going to talk about, you know, I, I can't think of anybody wrestling wise that it, it, he would be the best wrestler that Izzy ever faced. Oh, Nemkov would be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would know that there was, there was, he would actually train with the, the Russian national team for yes, the beta fight, <clears throat> you know, and um, I, his, sure, his wrestling is good, but we know as well as anybody that, you may be able to get one or two takedowns, but it doesn't mean you can get it again in the third, the fourth, and the fifth. And there's a lot of pressure that gets put on you by good strikers who know how to keep their distance and their range. We see it a lot with Conor McGregor. I mean, up until he fought, he got taken down a lot against Chad Mendes, who's shorter, explosive, you know, but he was able to weather the storm and, and you know, and get the job done against Khabib. <clears throat> he made Khabib work for those takedowns. Sure, he uh, Khabib was able to get him. But he made him work for them. And I think Izzy can make Nemkov work a lot for those takedowns to the point where maybe not exhaustion, but it loses the pop and the explosiveness to get in and get to the clinch. 
But how much will the takedowns affect Izzy? Is that's the next thing. If you're not used to being on your back in fights, it's different than being on your back in the gym in practice because you know that you're no one's really trying to knock the other person's head off. Sure, you're trying to touch yeah. him, okay. But when you have someone on top of you after losing the takedown, there's a lot more pressure to get up <clears throat> in a real fight. Because you know that person on top wants to destroy you. And so can can Izzy handle being on his back against someone who is very good on top with the ground and pound and someone who's very heavy and someone who's naturally a 205 pounder and just a big, big guy and <clears throat> dealing with good wrestlers? Can he get back to his feet? And when he does get back to his feet, will he be the same fighter? Will he still be fast? Will he still be accurate? Will he still have some speed and be able to pinpoint his his punches? Will he be able to do all those things still? I don't know. I, have not, I haven't seen him on his back long enough to show me that. But I yeah. do know that Kel, Kelvin Gaslam, I know he's gotten better since the Kelvin fight. But I do know that Kelvin was able to get him down once. once or I think yeah. he, got him, he got him down once or twice, I believe. Once Anyways, he actually had him down. Yeah. And that fight, I look at the size difference in them. And that fight, that if you put Nemkov in that same situation, it's. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm saying that it's going to be a fun fight. But I'm saying the two of them bring something together that makes it very inter interesting to talk about. Because Nemkov with the wrestling, Nemkov has the striking enough to get into the wrestling, and he's better than him on the ground. I'm not saying Izzy's not good on the ground. I'm not saying Izzy's not good at take takedown defense. Izzy has phenomenal stand-up and has that opportunity. And we saw it with Paul Acosta. He has, he has the opportunity to shut people's games down, okay, to make them not fight the fight that they normally would fight. Yep. And so... It, but going up in weight, that's also what makes it a different fight. So I'm excited. That would be one of those fights I would love to see. I would love oh, to yeah. see that fight. Yeah, awesome. <clears throat> yeah, you know, the other thing to think about is, you know, Nemkov has a brother who just signed with Bellator. No, I didn't know that. Victor Nemkov, who was the... I thought he had a different ass name. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, think he, I think he was the uh, light heavyweight champion at, at M1 also for a long time. And uh, he can fight. He's good too, and he's got a lot more fights than Badim. Mm. Uh, he's somewhere closer to forty fights. So, <clears throat> all right, one more. We got time for one more. Okay. Um, Akilan Aranachalam asks, "What do you miss most about fighting for Josh and uh, refing for John?" Go ahead, John. <laughs> um. Let me. What do I miss the most? Uh, I miss God, so much, so many things. Because this is what I tell people all the time. First off, you know, there's a big difference between being a referee and a fighter as far as money. So you're not doing it for the money. You don't get paid big money. But there, there are things about it that I call priceless. Being able to walk into an arena and be it for any promotion, be it for the UFC, for Bellator, for PFL, for KSW, for Ryzen, doesn't matter. You walk into a building, no one stops you. You get to walk down to that cage or that ring, no one stops you. You get to walk into the back and you get to talk with fighters that you have a ton of respect for and that you actually have sometimes a relationship with and you get to shoot the shit with them and their trainers and people that you talk with all the time. And there's a camaraderie that goes with that that is priceless. You, there's no price that you can put on it. Yeah, you're not making a lot of money, you know, monetarily from the promotion to do your job, but you get something out of it 
that's priceless. And that's what I miss. What do I miss about fighting? Nothing. <laughs> I don't miss anything. I own Not one freaking bit of it. Nope. I own a gym. I can still train daily. I do fitness on one side. I do jiu-jitsu on the other. I can hit mitts and hit the bag of hitting time I want. I can go to AK anytime I want and shoot the shit with the fighters there. Um, as far as the promotion, I work for a promotion. I'm cage side now every, every damn fight. I don't miss a damn thing. I've, I've been there, done that. And I'm not trying to be like, look, I had fun. It was great, but that's not my life anymore. Move on. And I'm thinking about other things now. I'm thinking about, you know, trying to be a better commentary uh, commentator, trying to do a better job at running my gym, trying to do just be a better person overall in general. Just, you know, I think one thing like I said this year, 2020 taught a lot of people, a lot of things, you know, um, what's important to you is being close to your family, trying to just be engulf yourself into what's important to you. The gym's important to me. My job's important to me. The show's important to me, you know, and just being around family as much as possible. That's those are the things that are important. I really have learned to minimize my life, you know, this 2020 year and uh, just get out and about more. That's the other thing. Try to get mountain biking more. Try to get outside more. Try and do things that are important to you. Things that you've always said you wanted to do that. I don't miss anything about fighting. Fighting was who I was. You know, it, was, it wasn't even who I was, but it was my, it's my past life, my past career. And it's time to move on. You know, you can only do that for so long. And now I'm moving on to something else and things that I've always wanted to do. No, I don't miss anything. <laughs> long, long answer, but. No, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a truthful answer and it's a good answer. It, you know, the one thing I will tell you this, and you're not old yet, but you're getting there. God damn it. <laughs> it. You know, as you get older. Hey, you start to realize what's important in life. And once you've done something, you, you can say, Hey, I've done it. It's okay. You know, and time is the most valuable thing anybody has. I'm just telling you guys, man. So, you know, your time is valuable and you can, can't get it back when you waste it. So, you know, if you do something, you're good at it, continue on until it's no longer worth your time. And I think that's what Josh is talking about. It was no longer worth his time. Agree. Okay, go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in, and uh, they will give you another 50% on your initial first deposit. So up to $1,000, they will give you another $500. $100, they'll give you $50. So that for your, it's only good for your very first initial deposit that will give you 50% of your initial deposit. Promo code is Wayne in at mybookie.ag. Also go to prowrestlingtees.com slash... <clears throat> <laughs> Wayne in slash Wayne in. There is no promo code right now going on. And so um, get, check out all of our what, new shirts that are there. What's up with that, Dave? Where's our promo code? Well, they have uh, one going on right now that uh, the code is New Year and it gets 20% off. I think it's only got a few more days on it. And so we'll figure something out for our next show um, to have something ready for you guys. Okay. So if you guys go to their website, you guys can just type in your own promo code, which is New Year, and they'll give you 20% off there. All right. So check those out. And. We want to thank you guys so much for subscribing to our podcast. Uh, please subscribe on the YouTube and all of the audio platforms as well. You guys can listen to, listen to us in your car as much as you possibly can when the kids are not around because I drop F-bombs quite a bit. So enjoy our podcast on Spotify, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all those places. Stitcher. Stitcher and uh, YouTube. So hit the thumbs up as well. And if you guys liked our Q&A, 
Please get us to 5,000 likes, at least 5,000 likes on this so we can continue to do these uh, Q&As as much as possible. Hit that thumbs up and the subscribe button and share our videos to everyone else. John, you got anything? No, that sounds perfect to me. Thank you for everything that happened in 2020, even the good, the bad, the ugly. It's okay. This podcast has grown from that and we are very appreciative. Thank you for all of it and we will see you.